0: Just wake us up, Father, uh, to see you in Jesus' name. Somebody said, amen. "Amen, amen." Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. A little bit of a teaching today, but powerful truths. I think you uh, you're going to be blessed by as we go together. Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. We're kind of talking about desire. We've talked about wholehearted desire in the last episode. And and really now we're talking about crucifying desire. But if I had another title I would say it's Faith in the Tomb and Living in the Upper Room. Faith in the Tomb and Living in the Upper Room, Galatians 5, verse 16. Uh, In this part of the year in the late summer, a squelching heat of Louisiana, uh, my garden kind of comes to an end uh, and, and Miss Evelyn, I was telling her that this morning. And my, it's kind of the end of it. It's so hot outside that really there's hardly you can do to keep anything alive, and, and, but I have tomato plants. We've got several rows of tomato plants, and basically we have just decided to let them continue to go because most of the time, the last few weeks, nothing's really been producing, but every once in a while on these withered, dried-up plants, I'll get a random really beautiful tomato. But most of the time... It's withered. Most of the time, they're not coming out. Most of the time, they're black or they're spotted or the, the plant's barely hanging on for life. But every now and then, something good happens. Thinking about that, I wonder if that's not the church today, really, in America. Because there's a time that I'm going to come and chop these tomato plants down because they'll cease to produce anything good. But there is a withering. But there's my, as this gardener, I want to see what else can come out of this last leg of this plant. Now, think about that for the church today. Is the church across the world, especially in the United States, are we so withered, so dry, barely producing anything good, but God is just holding on just to see if he'll get one more tomato, one more fruit, one more thing. Let me just let it continue to live until there's nothing left to produce. I'm thinking about that in my own spiritual life. Am I withered? Am I vibrantly producing good fruit? Or am I just hanging on, occasionally producing something good for Jesus in my life? What's the status of our Christianity? What's the status of our faith? I think many churchgoers are perhaps today like withered plants. They're not dead, but they're not really alive either. They haven't really figured out how to live that full power of the Holy Spirit that always produces good things for God but there is a day of cutting coming and God has determined that time in Christ I think for some it's gonna mean recognizing that I have gotta leave this thing we've called churchianity this man-made religion this man-made works that we have trusted in so long that's never really given us true power to take back our communities to take back our families to see a revival in America one more time it's a man-made religion that doesn't offer the evidence of the Holy Spirit in many of our churches. And for others, it's those of us who have experienced Christ. We know Him, and we've known Him, but we've struggled so many years with issues that we're powerless against. And it's going to mean we have to renew our faith in Christ once again and totally sell out surrender to the Holy Spirit. How do you turn on power in powerless christianity i want to think about our life as like that light switch when you turn that switch man the power comes on how do we turn on the power to a powerless christianity how do you get complete victory over habitual sin i have counseled and counseled with so many young people even this week uh people in our own community struggling TO WALK IN VICTORY IN THE CHRISTIAN LIFE, AND TO KNOW GOD UP HERE IN MY HEAD, TO HAVE THE ANSWERS, TO HAVE LEARNED THE SCRIPTURES, BUT YET FAILED TO WALK IN COMPLETE VICTORY, TO WALK IN THE POWER OF THE HOLY SPIRIT, AND TO KNOW IT IN ACTION, VERSUS KNOWING IT IN JUST OUR MIND. HOW DO YOU TURN THAT POWER ON TO LIVE IN THE FREEDOM OF THE HOLY SPIRIT? WE KNOW WE HAVE TWO NATURES. WE'VE GOT CONFLICTING DESIRES. WE'VE SAID THIS, FLESH AND SPIRIT. But the root cause of any sin issue in my life is ultimately, oh, and we all have sin issues, but the root cause is ultimately a lack of faith in that area. That there's some, if I'm struggling with some area in my life, and Lord knows that he Harris does struggle with several and many areas in his life, that that area is an absence of faith on my part. To believe that Christ has paid the price to give me complete victory over every sin. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. He has the power. He didn't die for no reason. He gave you the power over victory over sin in every area. But it's my lack of faith in that area that I haven't fully trusted in Christ to give him that place and to fully walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that he has freely given me. I have to be honest. That there are areas of all of our lives that we have to say, God, there are areas I have yet to totally surrender control to. I love you. I believe in you. I want you. But there are areas in my life where I have to say, God, I need this area to be crucified of flesh and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said to his church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians uh, 13, 5, he said, test yourself to see if you're in the faith, that Jesus Christ is in you, See if you're in the faith, there's faith, and see if He is in you. And we know He comes in you by the Holy Spirit. See if you have faith, and see if you have spirit. Not see if you're doing a good job, not see how many times you're going to church, you're reading your Bible, not seeing all the works of yourself, but see if you have faith, and see if you have the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do by our very best effort today is, Have I allowed the Holy Spirit to to be the strongest force of influence in my life? That's my question to myself. Heath Harris, have you allowed the Holy Spirit to be the leading influence of your life in every area of my mind throughout my week? Is he the strongest urge? Is he the leading Influence? Is it TV? Is it sleep? Is it nap? Is it this sin? Is it this habitual thing? Is it that negativity? Is it that anger? Or is it the Holy Spirit? Is He the strongest force of desire in my life? Victory is faith in an empty tomb and it's living in the upper room. Victory is our faith in an empty tomb. And it's living in the upper room. So let's look how we do that. Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. If you're there, somebody say Amen. Amen. Okay. So let me give you the background. The apostle Paul, he had this whole church set up in Galatia. There's multiple churches in the area called Galatia, kind of uh, Turkey today, Asia Minor. And he goes and he sets all these churches up. But then he hears that these people called Judaizers, religious people, Pharisee type people, have come in behind him and started teaching that you have to add to. Paul's doctrines. Paul said it's just by faith and it's by the Spirit. That's the only thing you need to know is faith in Christ and by the Spirit. But they came and they said, well you really ought to make sure you dress this way, that you get circumcised if you're a male and you're not a a Jew. You should really still do that. And you need to celebrate some of these Abrahamic traditions, these Mosaic traditions. You really need to make sure it's Jesus Christ, yes, plus a few other things. And Paul comes with a great rebuke. It's the only letter that you just see Paul just come out. All that Paul comes out. And he basically tells them, how did you get the Holy Spirit to begin with? Was it by obeying the works of the law? Or was it by hearing in faith and through the Holy Spirit? Faith and the Spirit. So let's look what he says at the end of this great letter, one of my favorite books in the New Testament, Galatians 5, verse 16. So how do you, they're saying, well, Paul, but I need... Some extra rules in my life to control these evil impulses. Don't I need to listen to these guys? I need all these rules in my life, boundaries, all kinds of things to keep my flesh in check, to keep me walking in victory. And Paul says, Absolutely not. Here's how you walk in victory. Galatians 5 16. But I say, Walk. Somebody say, Walk. Walk Walk by the Spirit. And you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh, for the flesh sets a desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led, somebody say led. Okay, you see how this is going. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, caressing, and all things like this. He's not giving a whole list. He's just saying, hey, this is some examples. And I've warned you about these. But those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22 But the fruit or the produce of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law or religious works. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have, here's the key verse for today, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another." At salvation, you get power over sin's curse. When Christ died on the cross, He granted you power. Somebody say power. It's power over sin's curse. All the things that come with, that's the death. You get power over death and the grave and hell and Satan's accusation against you. That's its salvation. But sanctification is the continuing walking out of the thing that Christ purchased for you. And while there's power over sin's consequences and death at salvation, sanctification is the power over sin's influence in your life. There's the influence. I always have two natures. I need the influence of the Holy Spirit for the rest of my life. To walk in the position that Christ paid the price for. Okay? Salvation. Sanctification. Let me say it another way. At salvation, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If you confess Christ and the Holy Spirit makes you born again, you have the indwelling. He's inside of me. But sanctification is the influence of the Holy Spirit. I have His indwelling when I accept Christ, but I need His influence for the rest of my life. I need his desires to conquer my desires. Let me give you an example as if a glass, if this was water, this is actually coffee by the way, but if this was water, or you know, I'll have a glass. And I have you could say I have water in this glass. But if there was a half full measure, let's say it was up to here halfway, you might say he has water in the glass. But would you say that it's full? No. There would be, you would say there's an area that's not Filled, Right. So when you have God at salvation, I have him, he's in me, but I need him to continue to fill me. I have the spirit, but I need to be filled with the spirit in any area of gap in my life is an area I can say the Holy Spirit has not filled that area doesn't mean you don't have Him. It just means I need Him to continue to fill me. It's like if I go through the life, I'm like holding my coffee cup right in the fall with her. It's going to slosh out. There are things that are going to happen. I need God not only to just be in me, but to fill me. Are you with me this morning? Okay, so the first thing Paul says, he says, There are those who live by the flesh. When I'm living, I'm living either by the flesh, and I'm living by faith, and I'm living by the spirit. Those are three things I want you to know today. Living by the flesh, living by faith, and living by the spirit. Let's look at the first one, living by the flesh." He says, "The deeds of the flesh are evident. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter two verse three, he said, "Guys, when you were living in the lust of your flesh, you were indulging in fleshly desires that were waging war against your soul and were subjecting you to the wrath of God." The wrath of God is against sin. When we sin, we sin against not just other people or your own body. You sin against a holy and righteous God who has wrath against sin. That's what hell will be. It will be the casting out in outer darkness of things that set itself up against God's word and God's will. Sin is separation from God. It is a casting away from his holy presence. And if there is sin reigning in my life, and I am indulging in the lusts of its desires. I am subject to the wrath of God. I am subject to that. And I should fear that. He says there's some examples. If you, he's like, well, how do you know what's sin and not sin? Well, Paul says it's pretty much common sense. He says, let me give you some examples. And we're not going to go into all of it today. But he's saying entertaining sexual thoughts or actions that are outside of your marriage. Whether it be movies or social media or pornography. He says it's things like telling coarse jokes and using foul language and not being in control of your speech. It's bowing down to worldly philosophies, playing with satanic influences and religions. It's even filling your mind with worldly garbage and always wanting more of the things that you don't have in this world. It's things like unforgiveness and losing our temper so quickly. It's racism and division. It's being in a social clique and looking down on other people not like you. He says those should not even be named of saints of God. It's attending events, he says, full of drinking and drugs and sensuality, addiction to any kind of behavior, any type of substance that controls your behavior. I won't even list them all because there's too many to list today. But if you're addicted to something that is altering your mood or behavior, drugs, pills, alcohol, I don't care what it is, It's not of God. There's not something you're supposed to be addicted to that influences the way you act. That influence is reserved for the Holy Spirit. Got quiet. And he says, sin is serious. Remember what Matthew, uh, Matthew recorded Jesus saying? Jesus says... If you have sin, I want you to know how serious it is. He says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it away from you. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than to go your whole body into hell. He says, if your right hand even makes you stumble, cut it off, throw it away from you. It's better to lose one part of your body than your whole body go into hell. We say that's pretty serious, Jesus. What are you saying? Is are we supposed to be chopping somebody up here at the end of the service? What are you talking about? If you look at the context, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, actually, let me tell you what the issue is. He says it's not outward things, but it's things that present themselves within. Adultery really began as lust, and murder really began as hate. And Jesus says it's really the inner part of man that defiles him. So don't worry about cutting off your hand if you can cut off your heart. Don't worry about plucking out your eye if you can pluck out that desire on the inside of you. And Jesus is calling us to say, guys, there needs to be a cutting away of the desires of your heart. There needs to be a crucifying of your inner man and your flesh against God. He says these fleshly desires must be cut away within the heart at whatever the cost to save the soul. So, how do I do that? Real quick, for I living in the flesh is, number one, I have to admit the serious nature of my sin against a holy God who will judge me in his wrath. I have to admit that in sin I am under the wrath and judgment of God, and I should be a fearful thing. The Bible calls us to fear the Lord with trembling. That's those in sin. Number two, it's to admit that I am powerless over that issue, that I need a Savior to deliver me from it. And number three is, I have to be willing to cut tithes, ties with anything and anyone that is ruling me. I have got to get so sick of my sin that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get Jesus to deliver me. The prodigal son had to get so sick of eating the slop of a pigsty that he had to get sick of the slop, to turn his back on it and go back home to his father, willing to be a servant. I have got to get so sick of daytime TV influencing my mind that I'm willing to cut ties with it. I've got to get so sick of that pornography that I'll get rid of that phone or that internet or whatever that issue is. I've got to get so sick of being around negativity that I will cut ties with friends who always fill my life with negativity. Are you hearing me this morning? I've got to get so sick of the things that are influencing me in my heart that I will cut ties, cut it out of me, do whatever it takes to get desperate for deliverance from God. That's how we move from the flesh to the next one. So it's living by the flesh. It is to get so sick of it that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to cut it out of me. That moves me into living by faith. That's where Paul was saying, You're crucified with Christ. How do you live by faith? I was living by the flesh, but now I've got to live by faith. How do I do that? You know, no person can achieve perfection even if you could obey obey the entire Old Testament. You know this? If you could obey the entire Old Testament, it still wouldn't do what you hoped that it would do. You could obey the Bible perfectly in your own effort, and it still wouldn't do for you what you think it would do for you. Paul says it's incapable. The law is incapable of changing the inner man. Here's what he says in Romans 8, 3. If you turn there, look with me. Romans 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do... As weak as it was through the flesh. That's what he's saying. The flesh, it couldn't please God. But God did it, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law, that's the religious works, might be fulfilled. Somebody say fulfilled. It's fulfilled in where? In us. But who's us? Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the flesh. TO THE SPIRIT. SO THAT'S A LOT OF THEOLOGY. Pastor Heath, WHAT IS HE SAYING? HE SAYS, WHAT YOU COULDN'T DO, JESUS DID FOR YOU. WHAT YOU WERE POWERLESS TO DO, TO LIVE UP TO GOD'S HOLY STANDARD, JESUS DID IT FOR YOU. NOW YOUR FAITH MUST REST IN HIM, IN CHRIST, IN CHRIST ALONE. IT'S NOT IN YOU TO BE GOOD ENOUGH. IT WAS IN HIM WHO BECAME PERFECTION FOR YOU. Man, THAT'S GOOD NEWS. THAT'S THE GOOD NEWS. He says, Peter says, This is so you could die to sin and live to righteousness. That He's freed you from walking according to the flesh. He's freed you, Paul says, from being slaves of sin. But here's the catch. Most of us have grown up in, if you've grown up in church long enough, or maybe you've been, or you've heard religious things long enough, you can believe that Christ has saved you from the power of sin and death and that in the last day God's going to resurrect me. But I'm going to have to suffer through this life and be powerless over many many issues that I believe we can believe yeah Jesus paid the price on the cross he paid the sins debt man I know that I will be freed one day but we don't really believe honestly that today I can be free over this specific issue I just gotta hold on to it I just gotta bear it I just gotta grit it and that's true we do have two natures but what Paul is saying there he says he condemned that thing in the flesh he says he's paid the price for it, both then and now. What does he say? Look in uh, Romans 6, 6. Just go back a couple chapters. See, I can use my lack of faith as an excuse to continue to live in sin. He says, knowing this, my old self, our old self, with, was crucified with him in order that my body of sin might be, what? Done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is what? Freed from sin. Christ's cross not only broke the power of sin, but my uh, submission to it, its mastery over me. He broke its mastery over over me. He says Christ didn't just do this to save you from death. He saved you to live to righteousness. He didn't just save you from the penalty of all of its uh, power over you, but to save you from living under its influence. He didn't just save you to just get you to heaven, but He saved you to live like heaven until He comes. I have to believe how powerful Christ's work is. How many believe that? That He saved every, He can take a drug addict and make them clean. He can make a person full of anger and make them the most joyful, peaceable person in the world because that's his power. It's not on his issue. It's on my issue, whether or not I believe that or not. Do I really believe Christ has paid the price for my sin? Because every area I'm falling to sin is actually an area I'm failing to live in faith. We call it living by flesh. We're saying living by faith. You see, Pastor Heath, how do you how do you crucify yourself? How do you do that? How do you, how do you break sin's curse over you? Number one is I have to believe it's already been broken. I have to believe, like Paul says, he's saying, there's a condition here that every place I die with Christ, in that place I'm free. It says that my body of sin would be done away with that I would no longer be a slave to sin. For it. Verse 7, Romans 6, for he who has died is free from sin. So the question for myself is, Heath, have you died in that place? Man, my anger, you just don't understand, man. When people step on my toes, they start talking about my mama. I just it comes out. The old Heath just comes, whoo, come, there he is. Or man, you just don't know how it was growing up, man. Just, that's, that was always there. It's just right here waiting always to come out. Well, Heath, have you died to that area? Do you believe Christ has paid the price for your anger? Do YOU BELIEVE THAT CHRIST HAS PAID THE PRICE FOR YOUR LUST OR FOR your, your, uh, YOUR GAMBLING ISSUE OR THAT ADDICTION ISSUE? DO YOU BELIEVE CHRIST HAS PAID THE PRICE THAT HIS CROSS WAS SO POWERFUL THAT IT FREED YOU FROM SIN AND ITS INFLUENCE OVER YOU? YOU SAY, YES, I BELIEVE IT. OKAY, NOW WALK BY FAITH. WALK BY FAITH. THIS IS NOT A COUNSELING SESSION. MAN, I COULD HAVE MADE A LOT MORE MONEY BEING A PSYCHOLOGIST. LET ME TELL YOU SOMETHING. I was headed to make six figures a year, talking to people for years about their problems. But I know that doesn't work. There is a faith in Christ who became perfection for me, and His power broke sin and its mastery over me, and if I will die with Him, I will live with Him. That's what he's saying. Free in Christ. I'm free. This is not a self-help. This is not a pop psychology lesson. This is good old-time religion. Faith in Jesus restores the soul. It must be faith. I may be saved, but my old self must may be living still in part. So how does he die? Paul is talking about getting yourself to a radical dependence on the work of Christ. True repentance means I've got to turn from my self leadership and go to Christ's leadership. We say, "But Pastor Ethan, I'm so powerless to die in my flesh." You just don't know how hard it is for me to not be angry, not need that addiction, not need that stuff, or not look at that thing. I've got to believe Christ has paid the price. And He's paid for its power over me. I'm warring with that nature, but I still must believe sin is finished in Christ. You see, Christ nailed it there once and for all time, but in Him I'm going to nail it every day. Paul says, I am dying daily. Not that Paul was doing the work. And here's where we get tripped up. When you get saved, most of us come and believe Christ nailed it there once and for all. But the rest of my life is trying to live better. The rest of my life means try harder. But that's not what crucified with Christ means. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm not crucified for Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. If I was doing it for Christ, it would be my works that I could boast in. I'm trying harder, God. I'm going to church more. I'm reading my Bible more. I'm praying more. I'm holding my tongue more. That would be crucified for Christ. But he says, you are crucified. It is not I who live, Galatians 2.20, not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am crucified with Christ. What does he mean? I am trusting in that Christ became perfection for me. And I am admitting that I am totally, completely, utterly powerless over my tendency to do the wrong thing. I am fully giving up and resting all of my effort on him. There's see a part of us that continues to try harder to beat anger, try harder to beat drugs, try harder to beat alcohol, try harder to have a better marriage, try harder to live right, try harder to put my money right. But if I could just totally give up and say, God I'm coming to the end of myself. God is looking for desperate people. He'll see, get so sick of self and society and sin and Satan to say, God, I am giving up on me and trusting in only you. Trusting in only you. Do you understand me today? I hope you're hearing me. It is not Christ plus you try harder. Christ plus you get better. Christ plus you go to church more. Christ plus, it's not Christ plus anything. It is Christ and Christ alone. It is you getting so desperate for Jesus that you'll be sick of having anything else. So desperate for him that I've totally given up on Heath Harris doing anything right. And I'm totally at the end of my rope to say, God, all my chips are on you. I'm laying it all on the table. I'm pushing it all in. I'm going all into Jesus. I've got nothing held back. Because until you get sick of that addiction, sick of that issue, sick of that anger, sick of that lust, you'll continue to try to do it yourself. God, I've got to get sick of it and put all my effort onto you. All my effort onto you. Each day I want to stop trusting again in my own effort. I must come to him completely. Let me give you two quick examples. Abraham, Abraham, he believed God's word. Remember the story? God says, Abraham, I'm going to make you great, father of many nations. Abraham didn't do anything to earn that. God didn't do anything to prove it. But he said, I believe it. Abraham just believed it. And God said, I call you a friend. I'm reckoning you as righteous. You're a good man. I'm going to declare you righteous, even though you haven't done anything to get it. And you haven't seen me do anything yet either. But he believed it. And what did Abraham do? Abraham is living in a land of sin, a land of flesh, a pagan land. But because he believed the Word of God, he started walking by faith TO THE LAND OF PROMISE THAT GOD HAD ALREADY PAID THE PRICE FOR HIM TO RECEIVE. IT WAS BY FAITH IN THE WORD OF GOD, AND HE CHANGED HIS ADDRESS BY WALKING ACCORDING TO THE WORD AND FOLLOWING THE HOLY SPIRIT TO SHOW HIM THE WAY. That's Christianity. You see, Christ has paid the price over here. We are living in a land of sin. In my flesh, Christ, the Word of God, became flesh for me, and He died for me, and He says He's freed me. I haven't maybe seen Him do it, and I haven't done anything to deserve it, but I believe it. Are you with me? I believe it, and so I believe it in faith, so I start walking according to the Word that He's spoken over me. Whether I fail along the way, I just keep walking. Abraham messed up many times along the way to the final day where he was willing to sacrifice his son and go all in. God is not looking for your perfection. He became perfection for you. He's looking for your faith. He's looking for people who will walk by faith and not by sight. Not walk according to how good of a measure you are. You're going to fail. That's why you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. But Christ became sin for us. Are you with me? Walking by faith. Listen, you can change your address. You don't have to live in the same position you're in right now. You can by faith start walking to the address Christ has paid the price for you to live in. Let me give you another example. Jesus says to all the 12 guys, the followers, He says, If you want to follow me, every man must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Deny self and follow me. But guess what happened? When the night he was betrayed, the Bible says, they all fled. They all fled. And in fact, on that very night, Peter, the guy who says, I'm never going to do it, God, I'm with you all the way. What did he do? He didn't deny self. He denied Christ three times. Deny self, Peter. Pick up your cross and follow me. Oh, I'll do it. But he denied Jesus three times. But yet Jesus went to the cross for Peter anyway. The Bible says he loved them to the very end. He went all the way to the cross. Peter didn't make it to the cross. Only John did at a distance. Nobody made it there. Jesus went alone, and he did it anyway. Peter didn't make it to the cross, but he made it to an empty tomb. Man, and when he made it to an empty tomb, he rushed in past John. Joy came in, belief came in, faith came in, and then he met Jesus just a few days later. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And he says, oh God, you know I do. Peter, do you love me? Oh yes, I do, Father. Uh, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And he wept bitterly. Why? Peter had to get to the end of self. Peter, deny yourself. He had to get to the end of himself, of trusting. I can make it to the cross on my own with you, God. I can do my own best effort to follow you to the cross. He says, Peter, you're not even going to make it halfway, bro. I'll go to the cross for you, though. But Peter made it to an empty tomb and believed, Jesus has paid the price for my sin. Jesus has paid the price for my resurrection. And guess what? It didn't stop there. Peter didn't make it to the cross, but he made it to a tomb. And then he made it to an upper room. At the tomb he had faith. At the upper room he had power. Man, it's not about you. It's about faith. And it's about the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. It's all about Him. It's about faith in an empty tomb and a power that came in an upper room. Faith in an empty tomb and power by the Spirit in an upper room. You say, Pastor Heath, well, how do I do this? Turn from living by the flesh to living in faith in Christ alone and then move from that empty tomb to that upper room. That's lastly is this faith and living by the Spirit. Living by faith, now thirdly, is living by the Spirit. How do you know if your Christianity is working, sir or ma'am? How do you know if you're really a Christian or not? How do you know if you're the victorious Christian producing good things? The proof is in the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You see, there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation. There's the immersion of the Holy Spirit, of baptism. That's what baptism means, the immersion of the Holy Spirit. These are all words the Bible uses about the Spirit. Then there's the influencing of the Holy Spirit. There's the indwelling, the immersing, and the influencing. The indwelling, the immersing, and the influencing. What does that mean? i got to have the Holy Spirit all over me. Man, I I don't just need a a little bit of, of water indwelling me. I need this whole cup to just be in a five-gallon bucket full of water and the Holy Spirit all around me. I need Him inside, outside, upside, downside, happy all the time. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I need God all over me. I need the full influencing of the Holy Spirit in my life. You can call it whatever doctrinal thing, theological thing you want to call it. I just need more of Him and less of me. All right? I just need all of Him, all over, inside and outside. So, Paul says, living and leading... In this passage, living and leading, living by the Spirit is when you decided finally to give up that old life. And the Bible says you became born again, alive with God, the breath of God, Jesus. In that, before they went to the upper room, He breathed in John twenty twenty. He breathed the Holy Spirit onto them. Said, "Receive ye the Holy Spirit." He breathed, just like He had breathed breath into Adam. He breathed life into His New Testament church. He breathed on them. They had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the breath, the pneuma of God, the Spirit of God. And that Paul says in Romans 6, 4, it was a newness of life. Paul told Timothy it was the washing and the cleansing of the Holy Spirit that came inside of man. And you have Him. And Paul says if you have the Holy Spirit, just like a tomato plant always produces tomatoes, it doesn't produce grapes, it doesn't produce other things, it doesn't produce thorns or thistles, a tomato plant will produce tomatoes according to the soil and the nutrients it's given. It's what it does. In a New Testament, spirit-filled Christian will naturally produce good fruits. You do not earn those fruits by trying harder. You do not go to love class, educate yourself on love, try harder at love. Yeah, you can add to you. Yeah, there's effort here. But it's really something naturally produced on the inside of you. That's why he calls it produce. The sap from the soil comes up, right? I'm not a herpetologist here, but there's sap inside of that thing, inside of that tree, inside of that plant, and it flows through that. And I'm the, he's the vine, I'm the branch, and it's flowing from him through me, and it's his spirit naturally producing things in my life. He says, you can see the evidence of a fleshly person, it's pretty evident. It's all this sinful world stuff. But the evidence of a spiritual person, it's just going to be natural. It's naturally going to be loving. It's naturally going to be joyful. It's naturally going to have patience. Y'all, do we, we struggle? Yes, God's got to prune. He's a good vine dresser. He loves to prune branches to make us more fruitful. He's going to find those dead things. But it's not going to be my effort making me more loving. My effort making me more patient. It's going to be me abiding in Him. Saying, God, I go to that sinful place. I cut those things and everything away. I'm trusting by faith. It's you and you alone. JESUS PLUS NOTHING and HOLY SPIRIT, I'M SO DESPERATE FOR JESUS IN MY LIFE, WOULD YOU DO SOMETHING RADICAL IN ME? I MEAN, IT'S LIVING ON THE INSIDE OF ME. OH, i GOT TO TAP DOWN. REMEMBER THIS OLD SONG, uh, DIG UP OLD WELL WITHIN MY SOUL, RIGHT? DIGGING UP THOSE DEEP PLACES AND LETTING A BUBBLING OF THE HOLY SPIRIT COME OUT. BECAUSE HE'S THERE WAITING. IF HE'S IN YOU, HE WILL NATURALLY DO IT. THERE'S A LIVING IN THE SPIRIT, A LIVING, NOT GOOD EFFORTS, BUT GOOD NATURE. Not try harder, but try less. Holy Spirit, do something in me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Do you see those in your life? If not, you better check yourself. Are you living in the Spirit? Lastly is leading. He says, if you're living by the Spirit, there's a living and a leading. See, I've got that old nature still hanging around. Until Jesus comes back, I'm still going to be a man in flesh, living by the Spirit. And I have a choice. Every day... I have to respond by faith to a more powerful prompting, powerful prompting. Man, you should write that down. A more powerful prompting of the Holy Spirit. Every day I have a choice, and I fail Him sometimes. See, there's going to be this desire in my life, but I want the Holy Spirit to be the leading desire, and He should be. If I see that the Holy Spirit is not the leading desire, and I keep tripping up by this sin issue, there's normally one besetting sin that we all have as Christians, something that just continues to always be there, always waiting for us to have a weak moment of faith. It's always there, ready for its head, ugly head, to come right back. But if that area, I say, God, I want your urging, your prompting, your desire to be the leading desire in my life, The leading influence in my life, the leading urge in my life should be the leading of the Holy Spirit. He uses all kinds of action words. He says, if you are walking in the Spirit, you'll not carry out the walking of the flesh. If you are walking in Him, those who are sons of God are those who are being led by God. He says, these are the kids of God, those who have the Holy Spirit and are following His leading, who are walking in Years ago, I proved my love for Beth by taking her to ballroom dancing. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime thing for this young man. Uh, Maybe one day I'll I'll love her again, and and I'll take her back again. But I'm not a dancer, okay? But in that dance, and if you watch those dance shows on TV, there's a lead partner and a submissive partner. The two are both dancing. And it takes two to tango, apparently. And there's two, right? Right? But one is leading, and this is the language Paul is using. That He says, stay in step with the Spirit. When the lead partner's right foot goes forward, the other partner's left foot goes back. And I am staying in step with the Holy Spirit. I have to submit myself to His leading, and His prompting. And if you are the lead partner, you normally have their arm and your hand on their back, and you are gently showing them which way you are about to go by gentle nudging. That's how the Holy Spirit does Man, the flesh wants to come in. He will wreak havoc in your life. Anger will come out, and you're fighting in your marriage. And then this comes out, and you're like, my wife's mad at me, so I'm turning to pornography, or, or I'm turning to drugs or alcohol. Man, i got to take a drink to get a little... All that flesh is waiting to control you. But the Holy Spirit, He's a gentle dance partner. AND YOU HAVE GOT TO DROWN OUT THE WORLD AND SAY, GOD, THE ONLY LEADING FORCE IN MY LIFE IS THE LEADING OF THE HOLY SPIRIT, THE GENTLE PROMPTING OF THE HOLY SPIRIT, THE WHISPER OF THE HOLY SPIRIT. HOW DO YOU DO THAT? I'VE GOT TO GO BACK, CRUCIFY THE FLESH, LIVE BY FAITH, SURRENDER AND SAY, GOD, ARE YOU THE LEADING INFLUENCE IN MY LIFE? AM I DESIRING TO WATCH MORE TV OR TO PRAY? Am I desiring to stay home in my pajamas or go to church? It's not doing it by flesh, but is there a prompting? He's saying, come closer. Come up here a little higher. I'm whispering to you. We see we're so busy with Facebook and technology and Instagram, we don't even hear him anymore. We're so busy finding all the pleasures of this world, we haven't found the pleasures of God. Used to be a long time ago in the early 1900s, services of church that would last hours and hours, days and days, because people were so desperate to touch God. We're so desperate to get home to watch the saints play. Oh, that was too far, huh? <laughs> if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, stay in step with Him. I'm not crucified for Christ, but I'm crucified with Christ. And Christ who lives in me, that's the Spirit. Paul says, I now live in the flesh, but I'm living by faith. It's faith and the Holy Spirit. My victory is faith in an empty tomb. Man, I may not make it always to the cross, but I want to make it to an empty tomb. And say, God, I might have failed you again and again. Lord, I want to see that you've paid the price for me. There is now no condemnation like Peter, for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I make it to the tomb, I can believe by faith he became perfection for me. And if I can wait on him, he is sure to meet me in an upper room and give me all the power I need to live victorious over sin and its influence. Father, today, Lord, we just come before you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, not by works that we could boast, but by you, O God, by your grace through faith. It's not our effort, but it's by your Spirit, O Lord. We need your influence today. We need a desperate move of the Holy Spirit in our life to live in power over sin and its influence. Holy Spirit, be the leading urge Be my senior partner. Be the one that I hear your whisper louder than anything else, oh God. Father, if I've trusted in anything else to try harder to do better, Lord, I submit my dependency on you. May I be broken before you, Jesus, and say there's nothing I could ever do to earn your grace or your favor, but God, I submit wholly all my works, all my efforts to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. I can do nothing. There is nothing good in me that's in my old sinful nature. I rest and crucify my efforts before you. I give up. I lay my life down at your feet. Holy Spirit, come. Cleanse me of sin. Fill me again, O God, that I might have the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. One more time, O God.